0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Um, someone's into Eastern meditation in here. Eastern meditation, you're... Um, Trying to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Um, And I understand that. And there's a lot of uh, benefits that have been scientifically proven um, in meditation. But the word from the Lord is you're doing it wrong. Uh, Scripture also tells us to meditate. But it's a different kind of meditation. You've been trying to disconnect. I don't know who you are you've been trying to disconnect from whatever it is that you're dealing with whether it's stress or depression I don't know what it is you're trying to disconnect and that's why you've been trying Eastern meditation but you're doing it wrong Um, what you just experienced where we're singing over and over again worthy, worthy, worthy it's the process of connecting to God even when your heart doesn't necessarily feel it um I need you to understand it's okay that your heart doesn't feel it yet um, but just like you were meditating to, to try to disconnect um, it takes time um, for you to disconnect properly if you're doing it that way um, but the same thing if you are a Christ follower we don't need to disconnect um, but we need to, to reconnect we need to connect to the source of all healing we need to reconnect to the source of all light And you're already disciplined. The Lord has said you're already disciplined. But you're disciplined with the wrong practice. Take that discipline and reconnect. Yes. And, and, and it can be as simple as, as the prayer I shared earlier in first service, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to say your name over and over and over again because there's power in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's just healer, 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 God. You are healer. Provider, provider, provider. You are my provider. And I just keep saying it over and over and over again. My heart might not feel it, but it will as I reconnect to the Father. Light, 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 light of heaven, light of heaven, light of heaven, light of heaven. Help me to be connected to you, light of heaven, Jesus. I'm going to just speak your name. I'm going to speak who you are until I feel it in my life, until I see you doing something. And I may not see it right now, but I'm trusting, Lord, that my faith is in you. And and you're not going to back down from any commitment that you have to me, God, because you are good and you are faithful and you are holy and i may not feel it right now but i'm gonna keep speaking it because i know that it's the truth and if i keep speaking it you're gonna be faithful to fulfill it and i want you to know if you're practicing eastern meditation you're doing it wrong but the lord says i see your discipline give it to me i'll make you whole again just get connected to me stop trying to disconnect i'll Get connected to me. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this time, Lord. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. We don't have to pray anything crazy, but Lord, you're so good. I pray that you would bless this time, Lord, that your hand would be on this time, Lord. Let your hand be on our hearts. Let your name be on our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Why don't y'all turn around and say hello to somebody. good right there. That'll be perfect right there. <clears throat> My name is Brantley Johnson. Uh, I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, and uh, man, I'm excited to be here with you Memorial Day weekend. It's the start of summer, uh, and people are already out at the lake. If you're, if you're watching from the lake right now, we bless you, and I pray that your boat does not sink in Jesus' name. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we're excited. For that. Next week, we got service at the lake. Uh, that'll be awesome. Um, but hey, uh, today, we are talking about the, uh, the topic of be holy. Be holy. And, um, you know, I was trying to figure out kind of... It, there's, you can find different definitions depending on where you search. Um, but I, I kind of um, just felt like a, a good definition for us, kind of a working definition is uh, keeping things separate that the Lord wants to keep separate and keeping things together that the Lord wants to keep together. I think that's, a, that's probably a good working definition for your life, uh, for holiness. Keeping things separate that the Lord wants to keep separate, keeping things together that the Lord wants to keep together, okay? And there are a lot of things in this life that uh, I think can be mixed together. I'm about to tell you the most pregnant thing that I do. Um, I eat Clawson kosher dill pickles and I chase it with chocolate milk. (laughs) Listen, I know, look, I told you that is like the most pregnant thing I could possibly come up with, but it is delicious. All right. Here's the thing. Y'all hit me up on Instagram this week and let me know whenever you try it. Yeah. Yeah. Eat a dill pickle and then you chase it with chocolate milk. It's going to be life-changing, and you're all going to repent later. Um, There are also some things, though, that should definitely, like, we could disagree on that, but there are some things that definitely need to remain separate. Um, So my wife was in the hospital this week for a few days, and uh, we were down. I won't say what the hospital is because I don't want to defame the hospital, but we were at a hospital, and they had a McDonald's inside of the hospital, like, how does that even work? I don't understand. Like, a place that is supposed to keep you healthy, they decide to put McDonald's inside, you know? It, it doesn't make any sense. I, it had to be a joke. Somebody played on somebody in the exec's office at some point, and it just stayed. Um, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I did eat a double cheeseburger while I was here. It was very convenient, but it was not very healthy. It's kind of the antithesis. Um, well, today... Today, I, I have um, a prophetic message, uh, specifically for families, um, and then I've got a prophetic message just in general, um, you know, and, and we don't like throwing that word around a whole lot, you know, unless we really feel 100% like it's, it is a, a, a thing, a, a message that needs to be spoken from the Lord, um, specifically, and it's the most important message that I feel like I've ever preached in my entire life, not, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's going to be the, me- the best message you've ever heard but it's the most important one that I've ever preached. Um, I do feel like it's a, it's a message straight from the Lord on this. And, um, you know, so it, it, it concerns holiness. It concerns things being separate in our lives or things being held together in our lives. It, It concerns us being holy before the Lord. And, um, You know, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is all throughout Scripture there are patterns, Um, and we can see this uh, from the time whenever Moses goes up on the mountain uh, to get the instructions for building the tabernacle. He goes up, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 25, and the Lord says, I want you to uh, be careful, pay attention to everything you see. He's showing him the things in heaven, and, and he's giving him the instructions from heaven. He's seeing a pattern that he's supposed to replicate on the earth. Um, We see that followed up in Hebrews, and and, uh, it says that the tabernacle was just a type and a shadow. It was a pattern uh, of things in heaven. Well, that tabernacle became a physical place for them to meet, but eventually that tabernacle was done away with. Why? Because it wasn't just a a, a pattern for a a community at the time, but that was supposed to translate into a pattern into our very personal lives. Whenever Jesus dies on the cross, that veil was torn in two. Uh, Eventually in AD 70, uh, the temple is, is burned to the ground and now we find in 1 corinthians three sixteen, where he says do you not know that your body is a temple well that word temple in the greek is actually the holy of holies that's how it's translated it's that most holy place which is where god would come down to meet with his with one person one time a year and he says because of the shed blood of jesus and your acceptance of him as your savior now all of a sudden that place that was too holy for one person to go in one time a year is now inside of you and i will meet with you in your heart It goes from this very spirit-bound place to to where it it translates to a nation, it translates to a community, it translates to a person. And and then we go into Revelation and we find where it actually says that that there is no more temple because the Lord is the temple. and, And we are patterned after the Lord in the heavenlies. There's a lot of patterns that we see throughout Scripture that, that translate from the spirit world all the way down from nations to communities to, to families to, to individuals. We see it all throughout, and um, that, that's what we have to be aware of. As, as we look at the Old Testament, you know, a lot of people get upset over the Old Testament. Um, I'm going to list this up here as the pattern, okay? Um, this is what we need to be paying attention to uh, throughout this sermon, okay, is the pattern, um, as we look at, at the Old Testament, uh, a lot of people view it as, well, that was the old God, that was the mad God, um, and we don't, we don't have to belong to that anymore. That, that testament is obsolete. Um, I've heard people actually say that before. That, that's inaccurate, um, because Jesus, if we believe that uh, it's all God-breathed, then Jesus also breathed the Old Testament as well, right? Right. Um, and so the thing is, is that we just have to understand, what are we supposed to learn from the Old Testament? It's not that it's obsolete. God's promises are still yes and amen. If we believe that he's the, uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then maybe it's possible that God isn't a mean God in the Old Testament, but we don't understand him fully. Yeah. Yes. And so as we look at the Old Testament, what we have to understand is, what patterns, Lord, are you trying to show us for our lives? And, and, and so... As we look, we see where, uh, the Lord commands different things. He gives the Torah to them, uh, as they are in, in the wilderness and all of this. Like, you know, Moses is living this out. He's, he's bringing ten commandments. He's, he's having to, uh, uh progress with them as they are, uh, uh, learning how to follow God. And God gives them more than just ten commandments. He gives them, I believe, 613? 613 commandments overall. Right? That, that they're supposed to live by. And, and we could see this as, as this, uh, long list of do's and don'ts. But that's not what it is. It's not a long list of do's and don'ts just because God is like, hey, let's see if they can do this. Hey, God is, God is not interested in red tape. Um, he's not interested in making you jump through hoops. He's not interested in just raising the bar because he, he, he thinks we're better than that. That's not what it is. But as we are on the earth, there is a specific pattern. There's a set of rules that, that if we want the Lord's hand on our life, protecting us and blessing us and walking in his favor, not to say that everything's going to be perfect, but we will have him with us as we walk through hard times and stuff. If we want that in our lives to its fullest potential, he says, here's what you have to keep in mind. These are the, the, these are the things that you're going to have to do on this earth so that my hand can stay on you. Not a list of random do's and don'ts because he likes to inflict pain. That's not it. And, 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 and as a dad, you know, I've got three children um, that sometimes do dumb things. Um, and so, like, I'll tell them, hey, you can't play in the street. Why? Am I, am I a bad dad because I'm telling him you can't play in the street? No, I don't want them to get hit by a car, right? I'm a responsible dad trying to watch out for my kids. So then if they go and they play in the street and they get hit by a car, am I a bad person because they got hit by a car? No, no, I I warned them. I, I let them know, hey, this is a possibility. Well, it's the same thing as we look at the Old Testament. And today, like the prophetic message that I have for you, unfortunately, it's not like the happiest message, okay? I just need to warn you, it's not the happiest. And I know like we talk to our prophetic friends and we're like, hey, what's the good word? You got anything for me? At least that's what I do. Like, I, I, I've got a few prophetic friends, and I'm like, you have anything good for me today? <laughs> you know, like, Lord, speaking anything good to you? You know, and um, it's rare that they do, so. Uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but what we find is that we have the written word of God. That, that is a warning in, of, in and of itself. But then what we find is that there, uh, God will give us a, 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 like a physical warning. So I'm going to call this the warning. Okay. God's going to give us a warning ahead of time before something bad happens, before the lifting of his hand, okay? I'm to, over here, I'm going to call it the lifting. Um, this is the lifting of his hand. And we can see this in Scripture um, as we go through uh, and we look at uh, 732 B.C., okay? 732 B.C., we have uh, Israel. 732 B.C., Here's the thing, Israel was run by a bunch of really bad kings. Okay, really bad kings. Uh, They they didn't care so much about God. Uh, They didn't do the things that the Lord would want them to do. Um, And the Lord over and over and over again is like, hey, guys, you need to chill, like doing all this crazy stuff, because bad things are about to happen if you're not careful. Right? And so then we find in 732 BC where uh, the Assyrians come in after a long time of Israel not doing what they were supposed to do. Assyrians come in and they take captive some of the cities of Israel. Not all of the cities, but some of them. And let's go to Isaiah 9:10. I have no scriptures up on, the, up on the screen, so I hope you brought your Bible or you have your Bible app on your phone. Isaiah 9:10. Let's go there. And we're going to see what their response is. Isaiah's is in the Old Testament, past uh, Psalms and Proverbs, Song of Solomon, then we got Isaiah. I'm going to start in verse 8. The Lord sends a message against Jacob, and it falls on Israel, and all the people know it. That is Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria. Samaria is the capital city of Israel. Samaria is the capital city at that time. So that is Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria are asserting in pride. All right, I'm going to write that up here. That that word is important, pride. All right, so they've just experienced some serious chaos in their land. They just had uh, a few of their cities taken captive. And now Samaria, the officials, king, um, they are asserting in pride these words. The bricks have fallen down. But we will rebuild with smooth stones. The sycamores have been cut down. That was one of the trademark things that the Assyrians would do whenever they would go into a land, is they would cut down all their resources. And so they're saying, the sycamores have been cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. So in pride, they respond to these cities but here's what they don't understand. So they, they think that this is a physical thing that's happened. They feel like maybe we, we dropped the ball somehow um, in the way that we were um, uh, preparing for war, preparing to protect our, our own uh, country. Um, we somehow dropped the ball, but no more. We're, we're going we're gonna to rebuild. We're going to make it stronger. We're going to make it better. And then and, and we're going to let the territories around know that they don't have a chance against us. But what they didn't understand was that it was actually a spiritual situation, It was actually a spiritual thing that happened. It was the Lord had already told them through the scriptures, hey, you need to follow me. He'd already told them through the prophets, you need to do the things that I'm telling you to do. In Deuteronomy 7, let's go to Deuteronomy 7. In Deuteronomy 7, right, before they even get into the land, the Lord gives them exactly what they're supposed to do. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 1, and we'll read however far we read. Verse 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Pivites, Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. Who's doing it? The Lord is. He's clearing them away. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. We need to pause right there. Okay? So they're supposed to utterly destroy them. Okay? Keep that in mind. But the Lord already knows, like, you're not going to do what I told you to do. Therefore, we're going to go to the next part. Then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. If they were going to destroy everybody, why would it even be possible for them to make a covenant with them? Right? Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. This is the thing, like, we have to keep in mind, this is modern day translation. Culture is trying to intermarry with, with Christianity. And, 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 and look, we're going to probably make mistakes, Um, Through all of this and the lord you need to understand the lord is compassionate. That's why it took several years like lots and lots of bad kings went before him and god kept going look Get it together 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 You can figure it out. You can work on it, right? The lord is so patient, but at some point there has to come a warning whenever he says, okay Look, i've been patient a long time now. It's time for a wake-up call I hope that there's an alarm that goes off in your life that says, I have intermarried with the culture that I'm not supposed to intermarry with. I am allowing culture to influence me to the point where I'm giving into to all of the different things that culture says that I'm supposed to be tolerant to. Tolerance is not intermarrying with culture. Tolerance is saying, I agree that we disagree. We don't have to be hateful or spiteful in the process. Y'all understand that? We don't have to be hateful or spiteful to say that I don't agree with you. Y'all don't agree that pickles and chocolate milk go together. But at the end of this, I don't have to hate you for being wrong. <laughs> right? I mean, like, just because we disagree doesn't mean that I have to be spiteful in, 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 in the face of it. I can still love you. I can still, I can still care for you and, and still disagree with the life decisions that you're making. I can still be in a world that is utterly set on my destruction and stand firm knowing what I believe and say I'm not going to give in to culture because the Lord said do not intermarry with them because they'll lead you away from the Lord. And, and, and that's, what, that's what the Lord was trying to say. It was like, look, I'm not trying to give you this random list of do's and don'ts. I'm just saying that if you intermarry with culture, they're going to pull you away from me. And whenever they pull you away from me, guess what that means? My hand can no longer be on you for protection. This world is hard enough with my hand on you. You don't want to experience it with my hand off of you. And so he, he provides a warning. And he's like, all right, look, I, try, I tried to be impatient. I tried to be impatient. But now you need a wake-up call. And so he allows a couple of the cities to be taken captive. He's like, here's your wake-up call. But they didn't get it. They thought it was all physical. They had no attention to God. And so then what happens 10 years later? They continue on in the same thing. 722, the rest of Israel. Taken. All of it. Taken captive. And now the Lord is like, Look, I, t- I tried to send you a warning. It was, this, it was this slight lifting to allow them to feel some of the consequences of what they were doing. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put my hand back on you now. Get it together. And they're like, "Nah, dog. And so he's like, okay, then I can't help you anymore. If you won't let me help you, I can't help you. you know, that's what I feel like a lot of times. This is, this is definitely a, a rant. People will come to pastors and say, what do I need to do to get my life together? And we'll be like, well, that's actually pretty easy. Do this, 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 and this. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Okay, like, if you won't let me help you and, and you do what I tell you is going to fix the situation, what do you want from me? And that's, that's how people will treat God. They'll, they'll allow culture to get intermingled to the point that they have been pulled so far away from God that then whenever the Lord says, look, if you keep going, I can't go with you. And they're like, God, why won't you help me? Well, you won't let me help you. Let me help you. The Lord, the Lord is for you. He's not against you. But you've got to let him help you. But that's not what Israel did. That's not what Samaria did. And so they, the, the hand was lifted. Let's, let's go to a different passage here where somebody did it right. Um, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, and there's a lot of chapters that are involved in this story, and I'm just going to kind of skip around um, a little bit. But we see where um, King Jehoshaphat, uh, this was, I, I'm going to say 856, in 856 BC, King Jehoshaphat had a, had a similar warning from the Lord. So um, he got together with the King of Israel. The King of Israel was a bad dude. Jehoshaphat was righteous before the Lord. Um, but how many know that sometimes bad company corrupts good morals? Um, and so the King of Israel is like, hey, look, I want to go fight these, these people over here. I want you to come with me. And so Jehoshaphat's like, all right, well, uh, can we inquire of the Lord? What, is, what does the Lord say about all this? Because that was where his attention was directed. And so uh, the king of Israel is like, all right, look, get, get the prophets together. They were all false prophets. They were bad prophets. They're like, yeah, 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 you're going to win. Totally. Go do it, dude. And, um, and Jehoshaphat is a little bit wiser than that. And he says, wait a second. Don't we have like, somebody that actually follows the Lord, uh, a prophet of the Lord? And so they bring in Micaiah. And Micaiah comes in. And Micaiah says, hey, uh, yeah, you're all going to die. Uh-uh. And so then, uh, then, for whatever reason, Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, maybe you're wrong. Let's go do it anyway. And he ignores the word of the Lord. He totally ignores him. So then they get out there. King of Israel dies in battle. Lots of people die in battle. Jehoshaphat just barely escapes just barely escapes. Now, let's see what uh, Jehu, the uh, prophet of the Lord, says. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 19 of 2 Chronicles, uh, verse 2. Jehu, all right, so, so Jehoshaphat just barely escapes war alive. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? That's a pretty harsh message. How many people know you need friends in your life that are willing to be that direct with you? You need people that are willing to tell you, stop being an idiot. And this prophet calls him out. Like, Jehoshaphat barely escapes. It was a close call for him. But now, what he does is, later on that year, Moab and the uh, the Ammonites are, are coming towards Judah. And they're ready to, to come in and invade. Here's what, here's what Jehoshaphat does in response. I'm going to go to chapter 20, verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not the God in heavens? Are you not the ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, should evil come upon the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand stand before you in this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Before I read verse 12, you need to understand, like three chapters earlier, uh, they go through and and describe exactly how militarily able King Jehoshaphat's nation is almost a million warriors listed and more than that in the fortified cities that he has we're talking over a million warriors we're not talking farmers with pitchforks right we're talking warriors over a million ready to go and yet this is his response why because of the warning he paid attention to the warning verse 12 oh god will you not judge them for we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He was militarily able to go out and fight, 100%. He had the ability to. But whenever he took that warning, he focused his attention on God and the greater truth of who God is in his life as his protector, as the one whom he needs his hand on. Because life is hard with his hand on you, it's way worse without his hand on you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jehoshaphat figured it out. He took the warning. Whenever he just barely escaped with his life, he listened to the word of God. And now this, not applicable. Not a, the, the lifting of God's hand is no longer applicable because now he's got it on his, on his life. And you know what happened? He sent his troops out and the Lord went out and defeated all of those cities before him the Lord went and fought the battle for him. He didn't even have to. I'm sure it was still scary in the moment, but he didn't have to fight that battle. And here's the thing. I've I've seen this personally play out in my own life. Um, And this is where I might lose some of you. Um, Because we don't like... Uh, thinking about physical warnings and the Lord lifting his hand off of us. We don't like thinking about that that kind of thing because it's like, well, we don't serve a mean God. Jesus is all loving and whatnot. Yeah, 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 I get that. But at the same time, the Lord demands holiness. Uh, And I want you to know the Lord does demand it. And and he's patient. He's going to work with you. But he demands it at the end of the day. Because the only way for us to keep his hand of protection on our lives is through holiness. Keeping things separate that are supposed to be kept separate. Keeping things together that are supposed to be kept together. So I'm going to walk you through my personal experience where I did not heed the warning. I didn't heed the warning. We're going to start in 2020. In 2020, uh, February, my wife Uh, was diagnosed with malignant melanoma in her right big toe. Um, It was a large mass, um, and they had to amputate part of her her toe. Uh, And it was over the course of, I think, four or five weeks, from diagnosis to everything being over, outside of just recovering. And at the end of that four or five weeks, the doctor said, with how big the tumor was, we should find cancer elsewhere in your body but there's nothing. Um, and we're like, wow, praise God, that's awesome. There's nothing else in our body. And they're like, we should be putting you on medicine right now, but, but there's nothing to, to treat you for. We're like, awesome. So now what we're doing is, is we're thinking, all right, now we're going to cancer-proof your body. And so we start going to work, trying to figure out all the different foods that she's supposed to eat, all the different activities she's supposed to do. And we're like, we're, we're going to make this to where the enemy tried to hurt her, but we're not going to let that happen. We're going to go to work for ourselves, and, and we're going to make it happen ourselves where, where she's not ever going to have to worry about this again. It was, it was from a place of pride, and I didn't know it. It was from a place of pride. That, that one incident was the Lord's warning on our lives, just barely lifting his hand off of us because of some unholiness in my life. And so ultimately what happened uh, in 2022? Because we never we never figured it out until things got worse. In twenty twenty two, it got worse. Keep in mind, they said there was no other cancer present in her body, and there's no reason to treat her anymore, right? Well, in 2022, uh, we were told that it had spread to her knee. We started treatments, doing all of the different things that we were supposed to do, Then it spread to her lungs and her side. And then in the beginning of this year, it spread to her brain. Um, And uh, so now we're dealing with my wife who can barely talk at the time. She could barely talk anymore, could barely move anymore. Uh, and she says, Brantley, there's somebody that I need here now, that we need to forgive." And I thought she was crazy. So if we, if we take it back to 2018, 2018, there was somebody that significantly hurt. Um, My family significantly hurt other families, and my response was bitterness and unforgiveness. And I didn't even know how, to the the extent that I had created this, but I am the authority over my house, and I taught my children well, unfortunately, how to be bitter and unforgiven. So much so that about a year ago, we were walking on the Woodstock Trail. We saw this person coming up. My kids were about 25 yards or so ahead of me. And this person stops to talk to my children. And I see my oldest kind of mother hinting and telling them to keep moving. And we didn't stop to talk. I I did not acknowledge the person. I just kept on moving, um, even though they tried to talk to us. Um, And once we got to the end of the trail, I was like, hey, did you recognize them? And they were like, my oldest son said, the only thing that I know is that's the person that hurt mommy. And you wouldn't... You wouldn't want us talking to that person. I taught them well bitterness and unforgiveness. And that's the person that uh, my wife said, get that person into this house before I leave for Mexico for treatment. So we get them there. And uh, they're in in our bedroom because that's where my wife could be at the time, and I come walking in, and they're there, and immediately the Lord is like, This forgiveness issue is not about your wife. Your wife forgave them a long time ago. This is about you. You didn't forgive them. You brought this on your family. All right, Lord? And so, without the expectation of anything in return, I said, You're not here because of her, you're here because of me. My wife forgave you a long time ago, I haven't. And the only reason why you have stayed completely separate is because of my unforgiveness, and I repent for that right now. And now, it's totally different. Praise God for that. That one incident is not what led to 2022. In 2020, we had somebody that was uh, influential in our lives and a bunch of people's lives fall hard. And um, I shut him out completely. Wanted nothing to do with him. I refused to forgive him. I refused to move on from it. Later in 2020, we had somebody hurt our family Somebody different hurt our family. I was like, "Forget this. I'm done with you guys." 2021, I I wrote them off, put a big wall up, you know, called it forgiveness. Uh, And then in 2021, had another person uh, interact with me at work, and I was not having it. Shut them down. And I had just been deeply ingrained in this pattern of unforgiveness. And the Lord revealed to me in the moment with that person coming in that my wife uh, needed to to get there before she went to treatment. Revealed to me in that moment, you as the authority over your house, put yourself and your wife and your family in this position. Because you pulled yourself more into culture, intermarrying with the, the culture that says you don't have to forgive people. Let me tell you something, the Lord demands forgiveness from his people. Because he forgave you. He demands it out of our lives. And he said, I tried to warn you in 2020. It was a warning. It was significant, short-term. It was a slight lifting of my hand. And you wouldn't turn to me to ask for direction. You did not see that this was a spiritual issue. You thought it was strictly physical. But it was a spiritual issue. And after that moment with my wife in the room, repenting before that person, I then went on, to track down that, those other three people and work on forgiveness with them. Praise God, last night we found a, a, a video on my wife's phone from her second day at treatment in Mexico. Man, it was bad. Like, some of you have been able to interact with my wife recently, and she's made so much progress. But you know, sometimes whenever you live day to day, you don't see, like, the significance but looking at my wife, I'm sitting there next to her, and, and we're having conversation, and we had family over last night and whatnot, and then we click on this video of, of her second day of treatment, and you, could, you couldn't understand her. She, she could barely move. And, and we've been walking this path of unforgiveness and, and holiness and bringing ourselves back unto the Lord. And I believe that we are seeing the fruit of that now as we are walking back closer into the hand of protection that the Lord is bringing back over my household. And I know that some people won't like to hear that idea, but the truth is is that if you are experiencing a warning from the Lord, you need to lean heavily into God and say, what have I intermarried with, Lord? Show me the areas that I am not living up to your standard of holiness so that I can walk back under your hand of protection in my life. And I told you that I had a very specific word of prophecy um, for families. And I wrote it down. I, I didn't want to mess it up. There is a cancer of sorts. It may be physical. It may not be. Um, it, it may be something else. But there is a cancer of sorts trying to tear your family apart. You've already tried dealing with it once, but if you aren't careful, you'll operate under a misdiagnosis, even though you know the truth about it, and it will come back more aggressive as it seeks to pull your family apart. This is not uh, any kind of message of condemnation. I, I, I hope that you understand that. It's a, I, I was praying, and I was just like, Lord, let this be a message of warning from a loving father um, to his kids. Um, culture is actively at work trying to pull you from the hand of protection of God. Culture wants you to end in divorce. Culture wants you to, to lose, uh, to, to separate the thing that was designed to be together. Your family was meant to be together. And there is a cancer at work that is actively trying to pull families apart. And the Lord wants you to wake up. Let this be an alarm to you. To pursue the Lord. Now, for everybody else that maybe that does not apply to, I, I want you to be aware of what the warning could look like for your own life. It's going to be short-term but significant. You have some sort of significant life crisis, but it's relatively short-term—month, two months, something like that. Maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know. But it's going to be something definitely significant in your life. Um, it, it may possibly cause manageable damage. It'll be some kind of a, a significant event that you think, whew, that was crazy, but I'm glad it's over. What I want you to do is I want you to pay attention to these types of events for your own life. Significant sickness. Large, unexpected bills that just leave you confused. You don't know where these bills came from. You don't, you don't understand how this could possibly have even happened. Your car breaks down so significantly or septic tank goes out and you got to replace that and it's a few thousand dollars or whatever the case is it's a major bill of some kind and you're like oh man that that hurt that's you know, significant that hurt we'll make it though maybe it's loss of a job but then you find one again you know you go through uh some some trauma with trying to find a job or whatever is happening there, um, and then you find one again. That might be short-term, but it's significant. Whatever you might consider a close call. A major relationship shake-up. Last one that I had written here that I felt like the Lord gave us was unexpected depression that comes out of nowhere. I'm telling you this, and I know this is not the happiest of messages, but I'm telling you this just as a warning for your life. The Lord wants to protect you. He wants to help you. If you're experiencing something that is short-term but significant, I want to encourage you to go to God with it. Go back to God, and you may not know what the answer is right off the top of your head. But the Lord will give you a spirit of discernment. If you, if you turn to him and you say, Lord, what am I intermarrying with that I'm not supposed to? What areas of, of holiness are you demanding out of me that I am not living up to? And it may seem silly. You may not want to share whatever it is with friends or coworkers or relatives that, because it may just seem silly to you. But even in those little things, the Lord is like, I demand holiness. And I've been trying to work with you for a long time. I lifted my hand for a short season. It's back on you now. But if you don't pursue my holiness, if you don't pursue my righteousness, eventually, I'm not gonna be able to protect you anymore. The prayer is, Lord, show me. Whatever it is, whatever it is, Lord, And then you go do it. And if you're not sure about hearing the voice of God, I want you to find a pastor, uh, someone who is a mature Christian who's been doing it for a long time that really knows Scripture, not just has a lot of good feelings about God, but knows Scripture and can direct you back to Scripture and compare that back to Scripture. And then, assuming it is actually from the Lord, you just do it doesn't matter if if it makes sense to you in that moment. If the Lord's telling you to do it, do it and stay under the hand of protection that God has over you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for today. God, we thank you for um, your hand of protection. We thank you that you are our shield. God, we thank you that you want to fight battles for us, God. Lord, I just pray that we could get out of the way and let you fight for us. Lord, before a body of believers, I repent for unforgiveness and bitterness. It is not my desire to walk away from your hand of protection. It is not my desire to intermarry with a culture that tells me I should hold hatred in my heart. God, I pray for the warning, God, that um, is in somebody's head right now and it's financial um, they see it and they're wondering if that was the warning it was the warning And Lord I pray that you would, you would redirect them to your holiness God and Lord I, I pray that you would bless them quickly as they move back into holiness with you Lord We thank you, Lord, for being a loving God that that cares enough about us to tell us to stop playing in the street. You care so much about us, you would tell us, stop playing in the street. You're not a mean God. And Lord, I apologize for every time that we have thought that you were being mean to us in some kind of way, God. Help us to walk righteously, Lord. We, We pray for your healing hand, your hand of provision, your hand of protection. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.